It was a wild weekend in the Big East filled with some great matchups, a lot of drama, and I'm going to cover all of that here on this episode of The Igloo. What's up, y'all? It's Timmy Ice checking in. It was a long weekend for me, and it was a long weekend across the board, especially in the Big East, and let's get right into it. Uh, Let's start with Friday. You had a triple header on FS1, and it started in Omaha with a 5 o'clock tip between number 9 Creighton hosting Kennesaw State, a game in which the Blue Jays were favored by, I believe, 35 points. Kennesaw State got off to a good start. They led, you know, relatively early in the first half, and then Creighton just skyrocketed in the second half. Well, not just in the second half, but in the first half, too. I mean, they they took a 52-25 halftime lead. They ended up blowing out Kennesaw State 93-58. I believe the last bucket kind of made it a push and a bad beat. We need some confirmation on that. Leading the way for Kennesaw State with 14 points was Alex Peterson. Youngblood had 13 and Rodgers with 10. Meanwhile, for Creighton, it was a very well-balanced attack. Their leading score, two guys finished tied with 14 points each. Marcus Zigorowski and then off the bench, Ryan Kalkbrenner. Notably, other scores, Damian Jefferson at 13, 11 each from Christian Bishop and Sharif Mitchell, 10 from Mitch Ballack. And then nine off the bench for Antoine Jones. Nick Zell, he knocked down a three-pointer in garbage time. Jacob Epperson, he had four points, four rebounds in ten minutes off the bench. Good to see the Australian big man back in action. And then this was the big upset of the weekend. Marquette upsetting number four Wisconsin at the buzzer 67 to 65 it was a tremendous game all around Marquette they led by five at the half and early on you know Wisconsin had gotten off to a good start but Marquette you know they got on a late run towards the end of the first half and held on to a five-point halftime lead and then it was very evenly played throughout the game in the second half Marquette held on to a narrow lead, but Wisconsin just chipped away, chipped away. And with two minutes left, they actually went up 57-56, and just the back and forth in the final two minutes was exhilarating. And then, of course, DJ Carton drawing a foul. Down by one, 65-64. Draws a block, goes to the line, makes the first shot to tie it, and then... Out of nowhere, he misses on the second shot, which he missed. Justin Lewis, the freshman from Baltimore, coming up with a big tip-in. Two points, the rebound, and the win. 67-65, the final. Justin Lewis, want to talk about how important his role was? Those two points and rebound at the very end gave him 18 points, eight rebounds on the night. Other notable performers for Marquette, DJ Carton cracking the starting lineup and scoring 12 points. 
playing over Samir Torrance. Jamal Cain had 10, 7 for Dawson Garcia, only 4 for Theo John, Kobe McEwen had 8, and then how about 6 huge points off the bench for Greg Elliott, the redshirt junior. Meanwhile, for Wisconsin, leading the way was Demetrius Trice with 17 points. How about off the bench, Jonathan Davis, the freshman, with a dozen. And then Nate Reavers was the only other Badger in double figures with 11 points. Meanwhile, shifting gears back to Omaha at 9 o'clock Friday night, Seton Hall took on Oregon. And... Oregon outplayed Seton Hall for basically the entire game. You know, Seton Hall taking an early lead. You know, they got the first bucket on a dunk. But Oregon just took over. And with a well-balanced attack, they beat Seton Hall 83-70. to Led by 22 points from Eugene O'Murray. The Rutgers transfer was tremendous, 10 of, 10 of 17 shooting, 2 of 4 from 3-point land. Meanwhile, Eric Williams Jr. had 15, Chris Duarte had 14, Amari Hardy had 9 points, and Infale Dante had 6 points. Meanwhile, off the bench, Jalen Terry, the freshman, had 9 points, all from 3-point land. LJ Figueroa, in his... Oregon debut, 6 points and 9 rebounds in 26 minutes of action. And then just 2 points off the bench for Chandler Lawson. Meanwhile for Seton Hall, Shavar Reynolds had 17 points. For most of the game, he kind of looked like he was the only one that really showed up ready to play. 17 points, 8 assists, 6 of 10 shooting, 4 of 5 from downtown. Miles Kale had 11. The funny thing is, Seen Hall lost by 13, but shot 58% from deep. 14 of 24. However, inside the arc, they were just 10 for 28. How about that? And then Mamu seemed like he was barely involved. He only had 10 points and 6 rebounds. Got 4 assists as well, but you needed more production from him if you want to win a game like that. Jared Roden also had 10, and then Iko Biagu threw up a goose egg. Tyree Samuel off the bench had 11 points, getting most of the minutes that Obiagu would get. He played 25 minutes. Takal Molson had 8 points, and then Jahari Long got his first career field goal in the final minute, hitting a 3. The only game that was played Saturday, much to no one's surprise, Providence took down Fairleigh Dickinson, but it did come with some difficulties. It was tied at 31 at halftime. But the Friars led by 28 from David Duke and 20 points from Nate Watson. They win this one 79-67. to You know, Duke and Watson, 48 of their 79 points. The next highest scorer was Greg Gant with 9. And then 8 points off the bench for, uh, off the bench for Alan Breed. Other than that, not too much production from everyone else. Jared Bynum and A.J. Reeves only combined for 5 points and shot only 1 of 9 from the field and 0 of 8 from distance. 
Meanwhile, for Fairleigh Dickinson, leading the way, Elijah Williams, the senior, had 15 points. Jaleel Jenkins, the point guard, had 13. Brandon Rush with a dozen. And then Pierre-Olivier Racine, he had 10. And the leading scorer off the bench was Joe Munden Jr., the freshman from the Bronx. He had 8 points. And then... On top of that, John Square Jr., another freshman, he had four. But the Friars win it in Alumni Hall again by 12. A big bounce back win after going just one and two down in Nashville at the Maui Invitational. Now let's get into Sunday. In a game that I was really looking forward to a lot, Villanova in Texas. Villanova brought out the, they look black. uh, Like the black with neon blue numbers. Oh my God, they were phenomenal. And in a defensive battle, Villanova goes into Austin and beats Texas 68-64, led by a tremendous performance from Jeremiah Robinson Earl, 19 points and 8 rebounds. Justin Moore also had 19 points. Colin Gillespie with a dozen. Cole Swider had 8 huge points off the bench. And despite Caleb Daniels struggling... Jermaine Samuels stepped up with 8 points and grabbed a team-high 12 rebounds. Meanwhile, for Texas, leading the way, 17 points each from Courtney Ramey and Matt Coleman. 7 points each from Greg Brown and Jericho Sims. And just 5 points from Andrew Jones. And then leading the way off the bench for the Horns, Kai Jones with 7 and only 4 in 11 minutes from Royce Ham Jr., So Villanova getting a huge statement win on the road against the Longhorns. Putting the Big East on the board in this year's Big East Big 12 battle. Meanwhile, St. John's taking on Stony Brook at home. The Johnnies take care of business winning 89-66. Tremendous game from Greg Williams Jr. 21 points, 8 of 11 shooting, 3 of 5 from downtown. 16 points from Julian Champagny, 12 from Isaiah Moore. And how about the production off the bench? They had six different guys who scored. Marcellus Erlington, Josh Roberts, Arnaldo Toro, Dylan Adewusu, and then Jonathan McGriff and David Carraher chipped in off the bench while Vince Cole had only four points and Pasha Alexander only had six. Meanwhile, for Stony Brook, leading the way was Mamadou Guillet, the senior from Staten Island, had 15 points. Frankie Policelli made that local plug, by the way, 14 points, 10 rebounds, finishing with a double-double. However, he did struggle, 5 of 16 shooting, 3 of 11 from downtown. Meanwhile, Jaden Sales, he had only 10 points and 8 rebounds, 5 of 7 shooting. Uh, The point guard, Juan Felix Rodriguez, 11 points, 4 assists. And then 7 points for Takai Green. And not a lot of scoring off the bench just to combine 9 points for the Seawolves as the Red Storm improved to 4-1. and one. Meanwhile, the Crosstown Shootout. Xavier Cincinnati. Xavier getting some major pieces active for this game. Adam Kunkel, Colby Jones, and CJ Welcher. Though they did see limited minutes, just 30 uh, 35, excuse me, combined between the three. They combined for 11 points. Jones had five. Kunkel with six. 
all from three-point land for Kunkel, by the way. Meanwhile, Paul Scruggs, the senior, stepping up big time as a, in his final Crosstown shootout with 20 points and five boards and five assists. Complimenting him was Zach Fremantle with 16 points and nine rebounds. And then Nate Johnson had 10 points. Meanwhile, Brian Griffin with six. Kiki Tandy had a quiet day just scoring two points. But Xavier, they got the job done going into fifth third arena and winning 77 to 69, shooting 51% from the field and holding Cincinnati just 23.8% from downtown. Leading the way for the Bearcats, Keith Williams with 18. Meanwhile, you had David DeJulius with 16, and the only other Bearcat in double figures was uh, was Rapalis Ivanovskis with 10. So Xavier, how about this? They now have won the Crosstown Shootout in back-to-back years and have won three of the last four. And, you know, dating back to the 2014-15 season, the last seven meetings, five have gone to Xavier. Meanwhile, in the Big East Big 12 battle, West Virginia gave the Big 12 the lead back as they went into D.C. I thought this was going to be a bloodbath, but Georgetown hung tough. West Virginia wins 80-71 to only, and they trail by two at halftime. 34-32, but they outscore the Hoyas 48-37 in the second half. Miles McBride led the Mountaineers with 17 points. 14 from Derek Culver. And 13 for Emmett Matthews Jr. Meanwhile, off the bench, Taz Sherman with a dozen in 23 minutes, which helped out big time. And then Oscar Shibway only had nine points and just seven for Sean McNeil. Meanwhile, for Georgetown, Javon Blair led the way with 19 points, 11 points from Jamarco Pickett. Chudier Bile with 10 points off the bench. And then other notable scores, nine points each for Kudus Wahab and Donald Carey. Eight points for Jalen Harris and then five for Timothy Egohefe. Uh, Harris also, by the way, had eight assists. And that was out of the team's 11. So West Virginia gave the lead back in the Big East Big 12 battle to the Big 12. And then in a thriller, after going down by as many as 19, Seton Hall goes into Happy Valley and beats Penn State 98-92 to in overtime. They trailed 45-34 at halftime, but thanks to 30 points, from Sandro Mamukelashvili, the Pirates come away with that big road win, and they needed this one to get them back in the right direction to finish at least 500 out of conference as they await Wagner Tuesday night, and I'll touch on that in a bit. And then they open a Big East play Friday night against DePaul at home. Who, by the way, DePaul still hasn't played yet. Their game against Iowa State was canceled out in Ames. All five Pirate starters were in double figures. 16 for Miles Kale, 15 from Jared Roden, and 10 each from Ike Obiagu. You needed a double-digit performance from him. And then Shavar Reynolds had a very complete game. 10 points, 
five rebounds and seven assists. Takal Molson stepped up big time off the bench in 32 minutes. He had 12 points, six boards, and a couple assists. And then Tyree Samuel with five points and three rebounds in 19 minutes. Meanwhile, for the Nittany Lions, Seth Lundy had 23 to lead the way. Mirion Jones with 17, John Harrer with 11, Isaiah Brockington with 10. And then off the bench, how about 14 from Miles Dredd and 10 from Sam Sessoms. And you kind of look at it, did Seton Hall earn this win or did Penn State kind of blow it? I think it's a little bit of both, but Seton Hall earned this win and you needed a big performance from Mamu after having a quiet night against Oregon and they got the job done. So now they go into Tuesday night against Wagner with a much more positive attitude. And speaking of, here's my preview for Wagner Seton Hall. I think Seton Hall's going to win, but and and the great thing is they're not going to need a mammoth performance from Mamu. They're just not. I think the big thing is you got to make sure the point guard play stays consistent from Shavar Reynolds, which he has delivered that. Miles Kale's got to continue to hit his shots. And you got to take advantage of a team like Wagner that hasn't played a game yet this year. Got to wear them out. And if you do that, you win easy. But the real... Um, and then there's three other games not really much to worry about. St. John's against Ryder. The, the Red Storm will take care of business in that one. Uh, Georgetown against Coppin State. Coppin State is 0-3 right now. Their three losses so far have come against Duke, in which they they only lost by 10. And then they also lost at George Washington and at Drexel. I think Coppin State's going to put up a fight, but I think with the way Georgetown played on Sunday against West Virginia, I think they're starting to develop that confidence again. And I don't think they're going to want to have to play another close game against a team like Coppin State. I think they're going to win this one. I think they're going to take care of it rather easily. They're favored by 19, but I just don't think they're going to win by 19. That's just not going to happen. Meanwhile, Marquette, they're a big favorite at home against Green Bay. The Phoenix just don't stand a chance. And credit Marquette also, they have really balanced scoring. Kobe McEwen is their leading scorer, and in four games, he's only averaging 13.8 points. That just shows how balanced this team is. So Marquette, they should handle business against Green Bay rather easily. But the game of the night Tuesday, Creighton and Kansas. Biggie's Big 12 battle at the Fog. This is an interesting matchup because Creighton, number 8 in the country, Kansas at number 5. I think Creighton is still getting underrated a little bit with the way they've played in the first few games. I think Creighton has a very good chance at winning this game, but I think Kansas is too battle-tested so far. You know, having played Gonzaga in Kentucky already, I think that's going to hurt Creighton because Kansas has played very tough teams, and, you know, they're going to see Creighton as one of those teams like, okay, they're around the same caliber, and, you know, we got by Kentucky. We hung tough with Gonzaga. You know, we should take care of business at home. I think it's going to be a really close game. I think Kansas is going to take it. But I think it's going to be a close one. I think Kansas is only going to win by three. And it's going to come down to the last possession. I really believe that. 
The big thing is, you got to get scoring for Marcus Zigorowski. Yes, he's leading them in assists, which is good at seven assists per game. But you got to get a big time scoring performance from him tonight if you want to go into the fog and win. Period. Meanwhile, Wednesday, a couple of games in the Big E's Big 12 battle Providence at TCU. Providence got their mojo back. You know, in the Big East Big 12 battle last year, because last year on December 21st, they were 6-6 six and six hosting Texas, and they ended up blowing the Longhorns out at the dunk, winning 70-48. to 48. Meanwhile, TCU, they are 4-1, and one, and so far, you know, they have wins over Houston Baptist, Tulsa, Liberty, and Northwestern State, but... Their only loss was a home loss against Oklahoma. 82-78 was the final down in Fort Worth. TCU needs a bounce back. Providence is by far the more talented team. Now the question is, do they win a game like this? The big thing is, Nate Watson has to find a way to out-rebound Kevin Samuel, who's averaging nearly a dozen rebounds per game. Meanwhile, you got to make sure Jared Bynum, A.J. Reeves, they got to get into the mix much better than they did on Saturday against FDU. If David Duke and Nate Watson do their things, Providence wins this game. If they don't, TCU wins. And the BPI actually favors TCU 55.3%. But I got a gut feeling. I think Providence is going to win. And then at 8 o'clock on FS1, Oklahoma at Xavier. This is going to be an interesting game. Brady Manick through two games, averaging 21.5 points. Austin Reeves has been solid, averaging 7 rebounds and 6.5 and assists per game. I think Xavier, now that they have more depth, I think that's going to majorly help them to their advantage. I think Xavier is going to take care of business at the Cintas Center. Coming off that big win against Cincinnati, but the big thing is, they cannot have a hangover coming off that big rivalry win. Going into a game like Oklahoma, they just can't lay an egg because they know they just want a big game. They got to keep that momentum going instead of just riding the high of that win. So I I got Xavier winning this game, but it's going to be really, really close. And then Friday, Big East play begins, and then you got Marquette also beginning a home-and-home at UCLA. So, you know, stuff to look forward to. And, you know, you got these games tonight and Wednesday to look forward to, so I hope you're looking forward to it as much as I am. That's a wrap on this episode of the Igloo, a very abbreviated one at that. I hope you enjoyed this, and I'll be back on Friday to preview the Big East openers, DePaul is at Seton Hall, Villanova at Georgetown, and then St. John's at UConn. A, an exciting three-game slate. Can't wait to talk about it on the next episode of the Igloo. Again, coming out Friday ahead of those three games. So until then, this is Timmy Ice signing off from the Igloo. Thanks for tuning in, and I will catch you next time.